0: 1110 and 993 WBT, The Pete Calendar Show. Welcome. Thanks so much for letting letting me be a part of your day. I do appreciate it. The phone numbers are 704 570 1110 1 800 WBT 1110. And the email is Pete at com, which reminds me, I should go look at that because I thought I had. Oh, yeah. Uh, I had this from. Joseph, who says, economics is not the dismal science anymore. It's just government, Federal Reserve propaganda. Um, And uh, here's a, I've been debating on what I should call these, because, look, I, I, I mine a lot from Twitter. I make no apologies for this. I wade into the cesspool, pull out the bricks of gold, that lay at the bottom, and I bring them to you. I I clean them off, and I bring them to you. Uh, These are not mine, and sometimes they are, you know, they're tweets that come from, you know, famous people or reporters or something, politicians, but sometimes they're just, you know, regular people. I follow just a lot of regular people. I try to follow everybody back on Twitter because I get a good sense then of, you know, where people's uh, perspectives are and where they're coming from. And so here's a fellow, and so maybe I'll call these, uh, it's, a, it, it's a Pete retweet. That's what this is, a Pete retweet. Matt Cover, or Cover is his name. And he says, just remember, all the government officials lecturing you to go buy a Tesla if you don't like gas prices, all of them get chauffeured around in giant SUVs that you pay for. Right. He's exactly right. Uh, there was another one here. What was this? Uh, Oh, well, it's gone now. Oh, here it is. Ryan. M- oh, hang on. Sorry. That buzz is from me. That's my apologies. Um, Ryan Maui. Maui? Moo. I don't know how he pronounces it. M-A-U-E. I mean, how would you pronounce that? M-A-U-E. And look, I say that as one with the last name calendar. Name's been butchered my entire life. Okay. He is an energy meteorologist forecasting the earth's future and analyzing the past. Uh, And he makes a great point. Another Pete retweet. If Russia and OPEC is going to use energy as a weapon or geopolitical tool, then we need to be able to counter that by rapidly becoming energy independent in the short term and the long term. Accomplish this with an honest and coherent national energy policy with huge public support. So again, most people want clean energy, but it has to be affordable. It has to be convenient. If you want me to make a market decision to swap out everything that I have for some new technology that doesn't work as well and costs more, that's a very difficult sell. It really is. What do you think happens? Are you, like I went food shopping yesterday. And I bought, I was at the grocery store, and you know, like they usually have the, I don't know, they're, it's a, it, the chicken breasts. And they're usually like the skinless, boneless chicken breasts, and they're usually, uh, I don't know, what would you say, like 14, 16 inches long, right? The big tray. Because I, I buy one of those, and then I throw them all in a crock pot, and I shred them all down, I divide them all up, for, and that's what I eat for my protein, my lean protein. So I have cups for the, for the week. And it's already cooked, shredded down. I could do whatever I want with it. Okay, so that's what I do. So I go and I get this rack of chicken. And I go in there yesterday, and they don't have any of the long trays anymore. They're now about half the size, and they're almost as expensive. I used to pay like $12 or $13 for the long tray. Now I'm paying 11 Each one was $11. That's a doubling. That's a, It's almost a doubling of the price since the last time I bought the chicken, which was, I don't know, two weeks ago? All right, let me go over here to Chris. Hello, Chris. Welcome to the program. How are you?
1: Thanks, man. First time caller. I listen to you all the time.
0: Thanks, man. I appreciate it.
1: Welcome, sir. Oh, yeah. Thank you for being here. So I just wanted to make a quick point, And if there's any Democrat voters listening.
0: Oh, they listen. The
1: corporations absorb rising taxes. The same exact way gas companies absorb rising gas prices should <laughs> they pass it on to us. Right. I, I just don't understand why they can't see this.
0: They, because they get, um, they are either blinded by prejudice towards a political belief system, and they think in terms of a total profit, or sorry, total revenue, they'll look at a revenue number, and the key is actually the profit margin, right? Because you can take in $100 million, but if, you're, if your cost to doing business is $101 million, you and I both know you're losing money. So uh, it's important to look at the profit margins that exist and what are those. And then uh, they will look at like a 2% profit margin and think that that is over the top too much, failing mm-hmm. to recognize that a lot of people's retirement funds are in those very products because they guarantee a certain profit uh, margin margin in the out years, and that gives people security so they don't become a ward of the state.
1: Yeah, but if, if, if you'll afford me the time, one last point. These oil tankers that come from Russia, they take about 25 days to get to America. They burn about 2,500 gallons of diesel an hour. Wow. Then they get here, and they sit in port for several days, and then they tell us to go buy a Prius. And if we would just pass, these passing oil takers, they're like high fiving each other, passing each other. I'm headed to Russia. I'm <laughs> headed to America. It's like, what the hell are we doing? Put it in the pipeline, send it down through the country. It's way greener.
0: Yeah. Put it in a pipeline, let us refine it, and then whatever we don't need, we'll sell.
1: That's yeah, the way I to do it. Canada I trust more than I trust Russia. What's that? Canadians are going to do it cleaner. Yeah. Then we then Russia is and Iran is you know they are going to compete with us. And
0: what they'll what have is. yeah and they'll have fewer uh human rights abuses. Oh well, never mind. That's That's uh that was a dated comment, a dated belief of mine. Uh, I have to uh, yeah, I'll have to update that. Thank you Chris, I appreciate the call. Good to hear from you. Call back anytime, sir. <laughs> 1110-993-WBT 704-570-1110 1-800-WBT-1110 Daily Wire reporting two Democrat senators are now joining Republicans and calling for an increase in domestic oil production those would be uh, Senators Joe Manchin from West Virginia and John Tester from Montana quote we shouldn't be advancing other countries who don't share our values Tester said So I think the opportunity here is to do it domestically, create jobs here, deal with it domestically, and also see if we can help Europe out, too. Um, Manchin added, quote, we should basically go back to the policies that we've had before. So would that be Trumpian policies? And that's we have to do our leasing in the Gulf of Mexico. Okay, the Bureau of Land Management lands have been off target. All this has to go back in uh, into production. That's all we're asking for. And if we're asking the rest of the world to step up, let's show that we're going to step up, too. And any oil that's needed to our alloy allies around the world, we produce it cleaner than anybody. Exactly. Manchin has taken it one step further. The Hill reported yesterday that the moderate Democrat who currently serves as chairman of the Senate Energy and Commerce Committee was withholding a vote on the nomination of Laura Daniel Davis. President Joe Biden's nominee to become the Assistant Interior Secretary for Land and Minerals Management over concerns that the Biden administration was not doing enough to bolster domestic production. Interesting. I also got forwarded a uh, an article here from the AP that uh, as we go hat in hand to Venezuela, asking them, hey, can we please, sir, please maybe have some more oil? In 2020, Rosneft handed all of its Venezuelan assets to a 100% Russian state-owned entity in order to avoid U.S. sanctions. So even when we go to Venezuela to get oil from them, that's going to fund the Russians too. Guys, seriously, like just, the answer is domestic energy production. Think of it this way. Um, You ever play a video game? Um, Look, I may be... What am I? 48? 48, yeah. But we are actually, you know, the average age of a gamer in America, video gamers, it's like 43 now. So, because Gen X, like, we were the original gamer generation. Like, we had consoles, computers, we could buy games, and, like, that was the... Sort of first, anyway. I'm I'm not bragging. I'm just saying, like this, this is what I do instead of like watching television shows and stuff. I really don't enjoy that stuff, and I just I I like playing some video games. Anyway, um, but I don't have a lot of time, so it takes forever to play them. But there is like a whole uh, genre of video games where you build stuff from entire cities to planets to towns and villages, and all sorts of these city-building games. Civilization-building games. There's one that's actually called Civilization. And so there are certain elements in every single one of these types of games. You've got, and if you've got other civilizations that you're dealing with, this and this is, the reason I bring this up is this is game theory. Yes, they are video games, but there's game theory applied in all of this. All of the video games. And games that really stink, don't do well with game theory mechanics. Games that are really good, on the contrary, do. So when you are building your little civilization, your little village or whatever it is, you have to create energy. Whether it is chopping down the local trees in order to build campfires for your cavemen or it's nuclear power generations for your advanced society. Like these are the things, these are, these are straight up core elements of Every single game ever. You know why? Because it's a part of every civilization ever. And when you start trading in order to sustain yourself with a necessity, well, now someone's going to be able to get leverage over you. All right. I don't know what. Hello, Dean. Welcome to the program. What's up?
2: Maybe you could fill in the blanks for me. Probably not. I I must be missing something. Um, Like 18 months ago or a couple years ago, we were oil independent, correct, I guess?
0: Energy independent. Yeah, more energy independent. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. Now, the pipeline wasn't in effect then, and it isn't now. And the only difference is a shut down instead of still being built. And the price of oil has gone up. $40 forty dollars a barrel, which would seem to be a domestic incentive as well as a global incentive uh, to produce more oil. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what what's stifling domestic oil production?
0: Well according to the um, according to Congress it is the lack of the ability to get the, the leases done and the federal lands opened and the regulatory environment I mean I'm, I'm going through I saw I sent it out the other day. Uh, Trump's energy uh, policy. He ha- I mean, so
2: they shut them all down? Or, he rever- or well, what? Biden
0: came in and reversed them. Biden scrapped the energy policies that, that, um, that Trump had in place.
2: Okay. So there beyond the pipeline and all that. He- yes, that's why I said he-
0: earlier in the beginning of the program, I went through, I said, this is a very complex issue. It's not simply the Keystone Pipeline. The Keystone Pipeline is merely emblematic, which is precisely why Biden made it. The very first thing he did was to kill it when he got into office. Now, does did that automatically send gas prices through the roof? No, it did not. But it is part of a portfolio of policies that are advanced by the left. For example, here's Elizabeth Warren. OK, this is what Elizabeth Warren just tweeted out today, like uh, about half hour ago. Big oil's first priority is to maximize profits. It's also their second priority, third priority, and on and on. We can't let them use Putin's invasion as an excuse to pad their bottom line with war-fueled profits. So, I'm working with Senate Democrats on a windfall profits tax. All right, so what do you think that does to futures? What do you think that does to the, uh, on the markets? If you've got Congress now saying, you know what, we're going to slap some massive taxes on these companies, what do you think those companies look to do in advance of those taxes coming down the line?
2: Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I understand what you're saying there. All
0: right. Um, I don't know if that answers your question, Dean. I Here's another Pete retweet. Skanda Amarnath. Skanda. Skanda. Um. Oh, I guess that's a. Oh, his name is Irving Swisher. Sorry. Oh, well, he had a different Twitter handle. He's the executive director of Employ America. Seems to be a lefty group, but he's quoting a piece. This is to Dean's call, asking about. You know, what's up, what's going on, what's the reason for this? You know, Keystone didn't get built or whatever, but, you know, why, you know what changed besides that? And uh, this guy Irving Swisher retweets a piece that's at The Atlantic that quotes him and his organization's proposal. Um, and his argument is that the Biden administration already has existing authority to accelerate the response to this oil shock. And he says... We're facing energy security crises of multiple kinds, and it's, it is exacerbated by the invasion of Ukraine. Solutions must account for short-term and medium-term political constraints associated with current consumption, but still foster structural declines in oil consumption over time. Right. So this is what Irving Swisher wants to see, his group wants to see, reduction in the use of oil over time. So, of course, there's a whole bunch of back-end stuff to subsidize, you know, hybrids and all this other stuff. But in the short term, what's going on with fossil fuels? He says, relying solely on price signals to spur investment is highly imperfect. Investment is inherently a function of demand and demand uncertainty. And the industry has already faced three different crashes in seven years. So, price signals also destroy demand but bluntly and with clear political and economic costs. What does that mean? The industry, he says, has very rationally shifted to a bias towards underinvestment at the request of shareholders in response to those crashes. And by the way, we are also battling OPEC, too, on this stuff. right? Those authoritarian regimes that use oil as a weapon, It's one of the reasons why we need to get off of that foreign supply. They do have market dominance, don't get me wrong. But we are better able to withstand that. The other component here is when I talk about energy independence, I'm talking massive investments in nuclear. Whether they are these new micro plants that are being tested out and built um, in Europe. I think France is moving forward with these little mini reactors. They're much smaller, uh, but they... They generate a lot of power and uh, don't require the amount of resources and footprint and that sort of thing. Because if you want people to get into hybrids, then you've got to be able to supply the electricity on that back end. How do you do that? It can't all be solar panels covering every square inch of mountainside. Sorry, that's not going to cut it. Can't just be windmills off the coast. What about states that don't have coasts, Right. I guess it would just be all over their flatlands. So you gotta find a way to create the energy, and nuclear is the best option, folks. But I, I like I don't see when's the last time there's been a nuclear plant that's been approved for new uh construction. I think there's there may be one right now in the pipeline. It's like the first one in 30 years or something. Um So anyway, Dean, I hope that answered some of the questions that you asked. Um, So I got this, uh, here's a text message from Jen, who says, We understand the Dems messed this up, and they are liars. The policies on oil and production have backfired. They used domestic oil production as a political football for votes, and now we are all paying for it. I feel like you have been mincing the details on the topic for long enough, though. Please move on to a new topic. I love listening to you. I just don't want to get angrier about this right now. And then she followed up with another text to me here that said, "Um, really a video game parallel? Yes, Jen, a video game parallel. You know why? Because it's analogous. And sometimes analogies work for some groups of people that don't work on others. So as a broadcaster, I try to broadly cast a message to as many people as possible in terms that they may identify. And if there are people who are new to the program, new to the station, uh, like within the last 20 minutes, I understand some people listen for all three hours, and I'm greatly appreciative of that, but that is not the the normal time spent listening, the TSL in radio language. It's not the normal TSL for radio folks, uh, audience to listen. So that's why you reset topics. That's why you pick different topics for different times and that sort of thing. And so... As a broadcaster, you're, bro- you're broadly trying to cast the net as wide as possible. And so to some people, people that are younger, people that play video games, people that have experience with these types of video games, they're going to understand that analogy a lot better than people who don't play video games and who are older, right? Like that's just, so no. So if the analogy doesn't hit with you, then maybe it wasn't intended to. That's all. I call those the PD emails. Thanks for uh, writing, though. I appreciate it. Um, Back to the Charlotte Observer uh, water carrying for the uh, Biden administration article here. So what are the main factors that impact the price of gas, cost of crude oil, refining costs and profits, distribution and taxes? So number two, demand for crude oil. The U.S. uses more oil and refined products like gas, diesel, heating oil and jet fuel than any other country in the world. Increasing demand for oil products leads to higher prices. That's not actually true. It, that only happens if the supply can't meet the demand. Increasing demand for oil prices doesn't automatically lead to higher prices. It only does so if you don't keep increasing supply to meet the demand. He talks about interruptions in ne- in the distribution networks like natural disasters, political instability, or war. And then the value of the u s. dollar oil is traded on the world market in u s. dollars, which by the way, don't underestimate our uh, adversary's desire to leverage the crisis to get to break that uh, uh, to break the dollar as the world reserve currency. We shall see. All right, but don't worry, Jen. We're going to be moving off of the oil story after this segment. I promise. Got other stuff to get to. I mean, I watched a county commission meeting yesterday for you guys. So you didn't have to. Oh, and George Dunlap commented on the topic that we had the other day. So, yeah, we'll get to that after the uh, the next newscast here. First, let me get Vinny on before uh, said newscast. Hello, Vinny. Welcome to the program. How are you? Hey, Pete. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm good. What's up?
2: Very good. Uh, Pete, I, uh, I, it kind of dawned upon me and, uh, I was watching Tucker Carlson last night. He kind of said it. Um, there's, I feel like there's a correlation here with the, the virus and how we all had to stay home and we couldn't go out and vote back in uh, November of 2020. And I feel like it's the spin is, um, the gas price is going so high people are not going to be able to afford to drive to the voting places so mail-in voting is going to have to be allowed and if oh. it's a to, to keep us stuck behind uh, you know yeah stuck
1: in our
0: homes oh it's very it's, devious yeah. Vinny. that's a very devious nefarious kind of uh, line of thinking uh are you or have you ever been a member of the democrat party <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I,
2: when ah! I was younger, I, vote, I voted for uh, Bill Clinton, and I'm open up to whoever wants to do the right thing for our country. All right, there I, you I'm go. No, to, so that's... Because there's, there's corruption everywhere. Yeah, things, yeah, yeah, the no. The bottom so... line is bottom line is these people have done nothing good for our country if they've done a few things you give them a pass you know they are doing the right thing everything is anti-american and now the spin uh colbert the other night was talking about it and and they're saying it if you complain about gas prices you are anti-american anti-democracy you are anti-ukrainian the people and you're a supporter of putin mm-hmm. what does that tell you what is that I mean, come on. Well, the, so to,
0: so, hang on, Vinny. Hang on, Vinny. Something to be on guard against as a, a train of thought and a way of thinking and approaching issues is don't let the outcome uh, dictate for you your assumption of that was the intended outcome. In other words, you've got this thing that you're seeing is, oh, my gosh, look at the similarities. And you're assigning that as the end result that was intended uh, versus there are there are similar outcomes that might just be coincidental it's not necessarily proof of some nefarious plot i don't think so because honestly when the prices were coming down they I, as i read earlier from that uh, article at the hill they were trying to claim credit for it so because because presidents don't control the price of gas to a large extent they they really don't and so there are all these other market forces that occur there's opec there's you know, the war in Ukraine is part of it. There's the inflationary pressures. Those are all coming from different policies out of Congress, out of both parties. And so you've got all of these other factors at play. So you're looking at the end result and saying, aha, that must be the intention is to arrive at that outcome. And I'm saying maybe that's not the case. And don't put one in front of the other as the cause versus the effect.
2: No. That, that that's fair, and I appreciate you saying that to me, Pete. That's good, and I'm trying to be open minded, but yeah. everything I see is just going the other way. And granted, the presidents can, don't control the price of gas, but he does. He this guy is controlling how we're getting it and who yes. is profiting, and 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 that the way he's structuring it and now the iranians are going to profit if we don't give it to russia we give it to them it's all the same and yeah. it, again i want what's best for our country like all of us do but this spin in the social media and all the platforms that they got and the cable shows and everything half the country doesn't even see it from the other perspective they only see it the way they're shown and the way they're told and there ain't no trump now to hide behind we gotta stand up for america and people have to realize it's hurting all all of our pockets and and oh, they know. they're going to open they're going to open their, they're going to open up and come November if they don't cheat things are going to change and yeah. that's all we could pray for.
0: Yeah, know? Benny, appreciate the call man. Thanks, sir. You, all You're right. the best, Pete. Thank all you. All right, thank you. So there's another component on this which is the uh the investment side of stuff. I saw Andy Puzder from uh, he's the former uh CEO of uh Carl's Jr spoke at the John Locke Foundation. I actually sat next to him at the table. He's been on Fox Business, and we chatted a little bit. I'm, I'm going to get him on the program, but he did a whole presentation as one of the keynote speeches during the conference on ESG. This is, this, this is wokeism inside the biggest investment companies. Vanguard, BlackRock, there's a third company, I forget which one, but he outlined all of it. He said, these guys control 80% of all the boards of directors in America. And so this is how they tanked Exxon's stock because they, Exxon did not want environmentalists on their board of directors, and so then the investment firms started tanking their stocks, and Exxon surrendered, and put the people on the board. That's another level to this debate because part of the wokeism is the climate change stuff because the climate change stuff is largely, I mean it's it's water these are watermelons that's what we used to call them watermelon I, I did which is red on the inside green on the outside right <laughs> they're every solution that these greenies come up with it's always more government control more central planning more sacrifice of liberties it's always the same even though when a society advances civilizationally they actually now have the time and resources to better protect their environments Poor countries usually are very, very dirty, not to sound all Trumpy in on that, but like they're 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 dirty. They can't dispose of waste properly. They're polluting stuff. I mean, the worst pollution uh, accidents and stuff have occurred in communist nations and very poor nations. They can't keep up with it. Um, when when societies have a lot of disposable wealth, they then take an interest in these other things because all of the stuff like food, shelter, housing are taken care of. And now they can devote energy and money to these other things. And the only system that has lifted the amount of people out of abject poverty ever on the face of the planet in human history is ours. Capitalism. I am a capitalist because I care about people. Sorry, I was going to make another video game analogy there about the food, shelter, housing thing. But I just just back away from that one for now. All right, we're going to shift gears. Up next, after the news, stick around. We're going to talk about uh, what happened in the county commission meeting yesterday.